Welcome back to the MBF podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to check out our other social media platforms on Instagram and TikTok, as well as our website, www.mybrothersfriend.com. We've also recently launched a Patreon account, and if you're able to, we'd appreciate your support there as well. All of that will be linked in our episode description this week. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in and hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys. Hello. It's, should we do our old intro? It's Nisha and Sophia. This is actually Sophia. And I'm Nisha. Yeah. Tricked ya. That was cute. That was so reminiscent <laughs> of the past. We finished each other's sentences. Aww. La la la. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway, um, so I want to talk about the menu. I was literally going to talk. I'm not even joking. I was literally going to bring up the menu and the food critic okay. in the menu. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So if you guys haven't seen this movie called The Menu, you you absolutely should. It's so funny. More than funny. It's just like really entertaining. It's a good movie. I thought it was really not only entertaining, but actually a really good commentary on the food industry, like fine dining, mm-hmm. especially because now I work at a restaurant and in New York City. And so you kind of see firsthand how like a lot of this stuff is very, very accurate. Yeah. You you work in a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. Be and real. it was uh, it was just like a really good commentary on, on the fine yeah. dining industry, like in yeah. a satirical kind of way. Yeah. Like how all of the chefs in the movie are robotic and they're like soldiers in a way that they're just like, yes, chef all the time. Whatever the chef asks you to do, you do without question. Even if it means... I don't want to spoil actually, but even if it goes to really, really insanely drastic measures, Mm -hmm. like it's always a yes chef. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also just like the little piece on sexual harassment. Um, (laughs) So funny. Yeah. When she stabbed the, oh wait, I should. Don't, don't. Sorry, sorry. God. Now we have to put a spoiler, a spoiler alert. Now we should say spoiler alert, but that was hilarious. Yeah. Anyways, it was just like critiquing all of the things that are kind of, I don't want to say wrong about the industry, but just wrong. Yeah. I'm waiting for the restaurant industry to become chill. I'm waiting. I feel like they they haven't gone through the, like, you know how corporate companies are like now being like, well, now everyone wants to care about their wellness and so do we like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm wondering like, will that ever even happen for the restaurant industry? It seems like no, honestly. I feel like you're, I feel like you're right. Like, I don't think it'll ever happen for the restaurant industry. Yeah. I feel like what makes the restaurant industry what it is is because it's so um, cutthroat cutthroat yeah harsh like yeah it builds thick skin and that's what you need to run a restaurant effectively yeah yeah especially in new york yeah but then then that movie was so good because it's like it was kind of it was all satire in my opinion it was like this Mm -hmm. is so this is how stupid michelin star restaurants are this is how stupid like critics are this critics. is how stupid yeah. like people that can afford to go to these restaurants are because like they don't even appreciate it yeah like there was a there was a couple in the movie that had been to this really really it, basically the premise is like this people go to this like remote island where this like very very famous like michelin star restaurant is and they're all like they're not that many of them but there's one couple that has been to this restaurant like 11 times when most people can't even afford to go once or mm-hmm. ever and they've been there 11 times and the chef was like, 
I don't know. Basically, it's like they didn't they didn't even remember what they ate in mm-hmm. the, like any of the times. Like they weren't memorable because they had so much stupid money that they could just throw away at this restaurant where they actually don't even appreciate the food. So that's yeah. why I thought it was so it was so funny. And like there was this one character who was a critic and it was hilarious. Like she would eat something and she'd be like, hmm, reminiscent of this. This brings flavors, robust flavors of nostalgia and like childhood and microscopically wonderful or like she'd say like weird things that were so accurate of like what critics write about yeah she or how they write i think that's great honestly and the other part that i thought was really good what do you know the couple that came in the one with the girl that saw through it all yeah she was on the date with the guy yeah Uh, anya anya's character anya taylor yeah 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 yeah. the boy that she's on a date with for context like so annoying he's a fanatic about like Michelin star restaurants and he gets like super giddy about them and whatever. And at the end, the chef asks him to cook a meal (laughs) to like make something and he can't make it or he, (laughs) he goes, he doesn't know how to cook at all. He doesn't know the first thing about cooking yet. He consistently comes to the Michelin star restaurants and like usually is fawning over everything the chef does without having a single brain cell yeah. in his head about what's actually going on. Yeah. He like knows everything that the chef is doing and like all the fancy French names for like all the ways that you cook this food and like what this specific, he's like, oh, does this have rosemary in it? And the chef's like, yeah, it's, use rosemary like air or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, I feel like it's super similar to like art. Into the art it is. Industry. It's art. Food yeah. is art in that sense. And the like, stuffiness of like some f- really like fine arts. Yeah. Too. It's like that movie to me was like a movie about food, but the same situation of when you look at a white canvas in like the Whitney Museum and you're like, yeah, ex- what? And then the critic next to you is like, this is exquisite. I've never seen anything like it. And it's yeah. like a dot on a canvas or something and it's like wow this this represents how small we are and how pathetic we are compared to the greater universe and yeah. it's like or it's just like a dot anyway whatever no like that line i was reading about the like indian biennale exhibit just now five minutes ago to you and we were like what the fuck are they even talking about oh yeah <laughs> it was like a bunch of big words and it was jargon like, yeah yeah well anyway Speaking of pretentiousness, we're going to talk about Chanel. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good segue. Of course, we're going to talk about Chanel, the most pretentious fashion brand out there. Fun fact, everyone. Coco Chanel was a Nazi spy and her code name was Westminster. Great. (laughs) Fitting. (laughs) Anyway, why are we talking about Chanel? Nisha... Oh, so tell us about that story. Yeah. So I came across Susie Bubbles Instagram today and she's a writer, a fashion writer uh, for a bunch of different publications. And I saw that she posted um, some commentary on Chanel's 2022 show in Dakar, Senegal. And it was really a beautiful, beautiful show. I think some of the like clothing and pieces that they had were super fresh and like just really different than I don't know most Chanel shows I've seen I it all feels very like stuffy Chanel like typical yeah like the tweed yeah stuff. Yeah. but this felt really like new and modern and wearable Fresh. yeah I feel like this is really interesting to start because I think a lot of fashion brands are now starting to kind of enter into a lot of like untraditional f- what's considered untraditional like fashion spaces which I hate saying that, obviously, because every country yeah. has their own unique kind of 
fashion industry, but you know, typically like Paris and New York and London and whatever are these fashion hubs. But now these big brands are showcasing other areas of the world, like for example, Senegal, Dior had a show in Egypt. So we have a bunch of, you know, European fashion houses like Chanel, like Dior entering into these like new spaces. And I guess in one, one hand, it's great because it, it brings a lot of publicity to those areas and regions but mm-hmm. I think you and I have our own thoughts on like yeah. how it's kind of ironic that really large businesses at the end of the day, corporations that are like Chanel and Dior, European businesses mm-hmm. are basically going into these spaces, previously colonized countries, and kind of using them for their scenic beauty or like their fashion or whatever it is. Yeah. And it feels a little bit, again, like taking advantage or like exploiting a yeah. place for their like exploiting creativity. Their, yeah, exploiting their culture, which yeah. like is very sacred to those countries where they have been colonized because like so much has been taken away from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a I feel like it's a tough conversation because on one hand, these haute couture brands should be inclusive, although inherently they are not inclusive because of their price point. Like, but they should be inclusive in terms of like in all ways of ethnicity, race, class, anyway. So, you know, it's not like they they should never work with like African designers or that that they just shouldn't touch that at all. But you could also argue that maybe they really actually should stay out of those spaces. Or if anything, like if you're if you admire a, a country's like, I don't know, weaving style or like fabric or whatever, then, you know, as opposed to incorporating it into your very expensive and like stuffy brand, maybe using the money that you have to like put on a show for designers of Senegal to kind of like uplift them, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, because at the end of the day, these like Chanel having a show in Senegal, even though they might be like taking inspiration and incorporating some of those like the beading and weaving into their designs, they're ultimately selling the product and making a profit for themselves. Yes. And that's not, you know, that again is a European brand just profiting off of West African designs. Yes, exactly. It's interesting. I I don't know. I I read this article about specifically like the Chanel show in uh, Dakar and it was written by this Senegalese woman who attended the show in Dakar and she actually had a really positive view of it. Mm -hmm. Which I, you know, like, it's easy for us to be like, mm, this seems wrong. But, like, we're not Senegalese and we don't, yeah. we don't, we can't necessarily, like, have a, we can have a perspective. But, like, her perspective was real because she's there and she was she's Senegalese and she thought it was beautiful. She, mm-hmm. she thought that, you know, Chanel incorporating so much of the country's beautiful designs and, and fashion. And also at the show they had, like... Uh, they had a lot of artists that were yeah. local to Dakar. Like they were dancers, DJs. Yes, exactly. It was very much like it wasn't a show that was like for French people or right. like for for high fashion people that like travel. They traveled to it was like which I would say the Dior show in Egypt was more of that. Okay, interesting. Because I didn't read any article about how they incorporated any artists or local people from the community. I, it was really just about like the clothes and using the pyramids as a backdrop yeah that's interesting yeah because this show was like a ton of senegalese people attended and it was like it the way she described it was like it felt like it was like a beautiful um collaboration between senegal and chanel and they're having like more and more conversations 
about how they can work together like Chanel and, and like Senegalese like, yeah. designers and artists. So it's like fair, like quote unquote fair, maybe, I don't know, question mark, collaboration between like Chanel and Senegal. And and so she had a very good perspective. And again, like she's Senegalese. She attended the show um, and she had like very, very good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. So there's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a t- kind of a two-sided, a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what other people think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. at the end of the day, like I agree with the, with the woman because I, I agree with her in the sense that the show was very beautiful and very well done. And the music and the dancers, it was super beautiful and something that we don't see that often in fashion, especially yeah. from brands like Chanel. But then it's, yeah. you know, again, like, should they be the ones who profit off of it instead of, you know, maybe they should just give their money to support local artists and let them have their own show and do the same thing, yeah. but build their own brand yeah, and bring more awareness to Senegalese designers. Yeah, I think another way that Chanel kind of was able to do this in a way that was kind of like morally right was that, so the creative director of Chanel has a has a real like fascination and she she's really, I guess like fascinated by the Senegalese like culture and and like their weaving techniques and like their art essentially. They basically just they had a residency in Senegal where they were kind of like learning their techniques and like working really closely with the artists. And I guess like they wanted to like pay homage and really have like collaborated efforts with these Senegalese designers and weavers. Mm-hmm. And they, they really wanted it to be in collaboration. It's just hard to do that when you're like Chanel and you have such a history of like... When Chanel literally represents like the irony of like Chanel being the epitome of French fashion and style yes. and heritage and Senegal being a former French colony. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how can you work together with your yeah. like former colonizer like that? Yeah, especially, yeah. Chanel is like the epitome of French fashion. Yeah. And it's very, very prestigious and like stuffy and exclusive and also has a history of like lots of just racist things that they've done. So it's kind of like when in the World Cup, like France yes. played Morocco and yes. everybody was like... And everyone was like, how, this is This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many ways that high fashion is essentially just modern day colonization. So yeah, many ways. Especially fast fashion. True. I was talking about high fashion, but that is very much applied in fast yeah. fashion. Just the same. Yeah. So anyways, let us know what you guys think because I'm sure a lot of people have different opinions on this. Obviously, in the end, some beautiful art was created and it was a beautiful show. But my initial thoughts when I saw that show was just kind of, hmm. Is this really Yeah. Is this really great? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very questionable. It's and it a- leaves me with the question of like how do big brands big brands who have a lot of influence and rep, you know, really big reputation like how do they effectively and ethically like go about bringing more awareness to, you know, the techniques and artisans in in other countries and whatever, you know. Yeah. You know, something I think about sometimes is like when are these high fashion brands going to lose their significance? Like, will they ever lose their significance? Have you seen those videos, Nisha, of like people taking their, their like Chanel will, will sell like a makeup bag, right? Like a toiletry bag. And people will buy that and then like buy like a chain, like a silver chain off of Amazon and then make that makeup bag that was mm. like much, much cheaper than like a real Chanel bag. Oh my into God. a purse that has 
That's like a real Chanel purse, like a real logo. And I'm just like, why? But also like, I think people are just desperate to kind of wear these high fashion brands. Yeah. And it's not that I don't understand it because some of them are definitely investment pieces that will really hold their value or even grow in value. And Chanel will definitely, I mean, it depends on the style, but a lot of them will grow in value. Yeah, like the tweed, you can always count on like the tweed blazers and like the tweed uh, sets, like always, always yeah. being a staple. But I just wonder if those brands are ever going to lose their grip that people currently have on them like people are just save up for years to buy like a luxury bag from Mm -hmm. Prada and it's like I don't know I wonder if like one day people are gonna wake up and just be like that's maybe that's not where we should put our money you know it's really hard to predict I think it could be a generational thing like as boomers and you know other people kind of die out um like can't wait do you like it's like do you think people that are kind of our age give as much value to chanel yes maybe not chanel but i i don't know i guess i I haven't seen like a huge shift in people not caring about those high fashion brands i i mean i wonder like maybe there's a little bit of yeah people care a little bit less in our generation but yeah i don't know if i've seen a big it's interesting because like sometimes i mean i do my best to kind of buy from small brands and stuff Sometimes these slow fashion brands are slow fashion. Yeah, like the opposite of fast fashion. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> like I'm so dumb. Like just ethically made. Wow. Yeah. yeah independent yeah. designers. No, usually. that was really embarrassing. Okay. Yes. Um, slow fashion is going to be the next big thing. But um, <laughs> it's an in for twenty twenty three. Yeah. For example, there was one brand, a slow fashion brand, this lo- local Brooklyn designer who makes really beautiful bags and they're about like $400 per bag which obviously like me going onto like the internet and just like trying to like online shop I probably wouldn't drop a $400 on a bag especially if it's a brand that I'm not that familiar with yeah. even though knowing that it's a slow fashion brand it's like probably maybe real leather like yeah it's better than fast fashion I suppose <laughs> like yeah. if it's gonna last a lifetime totally. right yeah but you know everyone has their opinions on that but um I think you're right. I think the brand name still holds value in dropping a specific amount of money, f- you know, for that brand. Like someone yeah. who's going to feel more comfortable spending $1,000 at Louis Vuitton as opposed to four or $500 at this unknown small designer. Yeah. I just like, and I don't want to sound judgy, but mm-hmm. I just sometimes I am so amazed at what people will spend their money on. Mm-hmm. Like, like Chanel and Dior and Prada and all of these high fashion couture brands will just scam you so hard in so many ways. Like because they they have so much business and their biggest business really is like perfume. <laughs> and really? Like makeup and cosmetics. Yeah. They make so much money off of perfume. Perfumes are the biggest scam. <laughs> Such – oh my god. Never buy a really ex- – like it's just – like maybe treat yourself but th- you can find so many dupes. You can find so many dupes and even like the ingredients to make your own perfume. I'm not that saying go make your own perfume or whatever. But but also like go make your own perfume. They're really inexpensive to buy like those essential oils and the water and all of that. No, these brands, their biggest source of revenue are these perfumes and then cosmetics as well. Like Chanel has makeup. Dior Mm -hmm. has makeup. And the makeup is like insanely expensive. Like no one should spend $200 on like a foundation or whatever. But Mm -hmm. that's what they – that's the price of their makeup. And it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's just such a scam. Yet, 
we still take part. <laughs> I know. I'm like, when are we going to not though? And why do we take part? Because we love the brand or yeah. because we love the product? I know that we had like a trends episode last week, but something that we didn't talk about is how fashion is showing up in this recession. And That's how, interesting. Yeah. Like essentially the way that fashion is showing up right now is very different than it did like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're in a recession. Like the economy is not doing so hot. And one of the ways, one of the trends that we're seeing is that one, brands that are very expensive, like I was just talking about, Hermes, Chanel, blah, 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 their designs that are coming out are actually much less like logo focused. The logo is a lot more subtle, Hmm. like hidden. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know, like there's this one Hermes bag that's very popular Mm -hmm. right now. And it's like a horse saddle bag. It's literally for horses. But people are buying it because it's one, it's actually cheaper. Mm -hmm. And two, it's not in your face. This is a this is an Hermes bag. It's like a little bit more subtle. And same with like a lot of other brands. Because even, people don't want to be flashy in, exactly, in a recession. Exactly. People, even people who can't afford it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And have you noticed like if you look at red carpets right now and what people are wearing, there is like a, a trend of not wearing necklaces. People are not wearing like expensive looking jewelry on the red carpet. I did see, I saw one person, I heard about it. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, and she chose not to wear a necklace or yeah. something. I forget who it was. But. Yeah. And it's because of the recession. It's it's actually a thing that like celebrities and people that are really wealthy will dress down to appeal to the masses or something. Honestly, <laughs> it's like a good question. It's hmm. like why why care so much? But it, you know it, who's not following that trend? Who? Georgiana Rodriguez. Who the hell Christi- is that? Cristiana Cristiano Ronaldo's like wife woman. Oh, like girlfriend. no, they're not even married. Right? Yeah, he like refuses to marry her, and but she, wants she it. she looked. Beautiful. Okay. Like honestly, where when her in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it's kind of a moment. I'm it's not it's lie. it's a big moment. Honestly, yeah, it's a huge moment. And I know she she, she looks also Arab. looks a little bit Arab. So like, yeah. she's gonna kill it in the fashion. But what she, is she like wearing? Oh, she's stuff? just wearing like you know. She's never she she never dresses down. Honestly, I support it. But yeah, just own if you're rich. Like, she just wore like know. a diamond, you know, diamond necklaces, like bracelets, rings. Oh, but it's her. also Saudi Arabia, and I feel like. There they're kind no of there's a lot of there. opulence yes oh wow but she looked beautiful oh my god she looks so arab but i also don't want saudi arabia to come after me because <laughs> did you watch hassan minaj yeah hassan minaj's like latest yeah. ske- sketch <laughs> where the saudi like embassy came after him <laughs> oh my god that was so funny anyways i think wow oh my god opulence doesn't she look stunning though opulence is an understatement this is crazy the blue looks really good on her yeah see i'm like if you're rich just wear the diamond necklace yeah like don't try to fool us into thinking that yeah you're it's, you know not working I mean. it's not working <laughs> yeah anyways recession much to think about recession yeah. haute couture yeah senegal it's so weird how celebrities like dress for the recession yeah well you're wearing dungarees in a sweater right now you're definitely dressing for the <laughs> okay what the hell what, dungarees <laughs> sorry overalls we just had a british girl over i'm fam chic <laughs> she said i love your dungarees do you what, what's your problem with overalls no they're cute they're very i look humble right humble yeah I look like i come from humble beginnings humble american background um no you look you look cute thanks okay well see you guys next time (laughs) we can't just say bye subscribe to our patreon thanks mom for subscribing (laughs) (laughs) yeah
Thank you, Mrs. Yepes, for subscribing to our Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Guys, actually, though, you should subscribe to our Patreon because you can get a free tote bag. And our tote bags, we're going to we're gonna be posting our designs soon. They are very cool. Mm-hmm. You will also get exclusive content from me and Nisha, and who wouldn't want that? Yeah, we could get into some serious stuff with that exclusive content. Yeah, we could get really personal, yeah. actually. You don't want to miss that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Definitely don't want to miss that. Bye, guys. Have a good week. <laughs>